Episode 3, The Traitor's Son. Dark forces waking to sabotage you. Gonya dived into the abyss, wind beating heavily against her face as it resisted her fall. She was immersed in the moment with no cares, no battles, and no one to please or fight for. Plunging into the crocodile-infested Zambezi River from a cliff, the water splashed as she landed, announcing her arrival to the abyss. She sat to dry herself on a river rock protruding from the river like an iceberg, taking in the beauty of the untamed savanna. Birds were singing their morning praises, as all creatures of different sizes and kind put aside their differences to quench their thirst. This was what she fought to protect, nature, the waterfall, her people, and the kingdom. Oh, 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 Fancy seeing you here. A familiar voice interrupted her musing. Quickly, with cat-like reflexes, she jumped back into the river, realizing she was almost naked. How long have you been standing there? You know what? Don't answer. She tried to accuse before losing her words. He had a way of throwing her off her game. She didn't want any part of it. But this son of a traitor always made her feel like she was a little girl. Here. I should have knocked. He laughed at his own joke, handing to her the Vajaya uniform. It's none of my business, but there's crocodiles Momolonga. And traitors everywhere. Don't ever sneak up on me like that. Next time, I won't be far from my knife. She glared, instantly turning into the kingdom's deadliest warrior. I mean it. Ouch. Nova Nangu. There's better ways to kill a man. Besides, you found me here. He noted, realizing she was after all in his jurisdiction, the land her uncle had sent his people to settle down. They walked back to the village before anyone could see them together. Rumors in this village had a way of finding themselves in the royal quarters. She knew that very well because she worked in the information business. Here, all stories have a price attached to them, some to be kept secret, others to be broadcasted. A demand and supply, really. The king is a good man. Simusoma began. It must have been a hard decision. We grieve with the kingdom. Of course you do. This wouldn't have happened if your father... I won't be blamed for my father's decisions. I'm a prince, not a king. He defended, turning to her. I'm sorry. Dad isn't eating or speaking to anyone, not even the council, whatever the king said to him. I will not discuss kingdom matters with you, she said. Being a high-ranking official in the kingdom meant that she had a great share of secrets she couldn't trust anyone with, much less a traitor's son. Yet she too wondered what the king had whispered to Musoko Twan. 
I'm here on official duty to offer food, guards, and support for the royal funeral. He barked, staring her dead in the eye. You know where to find me? He concluded, mounting onto a chariot that was awaiting him outside the kingdom's gates. The village. The village was in full preparation mode for the royal funeral. As she entered the royal courts, she was met by the prime minister, Omwendambed, on his way back from funeral discussions with her mother, the Vediango. She had gathered intelligence from trusted sources that Mwendambeli was making advances on the queen. It was overconfidence for a man in his fourth marriage to be planning another marriage with the former wife of King Sekute. As the queen mother, it was Vediango's duty to ensure that the ceremony was in order. She personally oversaw every detail of the event from the picking of the lot to the pouring of water on the burial ground to symbolize a new birth as the first water that broke before birth. The ancestors and the oracles have told us of the tale of King Mulopwe's father and he sent him and his brother Mwanza on a sacred task. After Mulopwe showed mercy for spilling human blood, his father granted him the blessing and the curse of immortality. He would never die. Vediango narrated the tale that was told to her by others before her. He only changes clothes, she said. In this vein, Musoko Twani Musokotwani has killed a king. History tells of the story of how every king was infused with the knowledge and guidance of his predecessors, joined together in a mystical link of an immortality that began ages ago as a blessing. In this culture, the death ceremony was a sacred event. It marked the crossing of a soul from this realm to the realm of the ancestors. It was an event of great sadness in the loss of a loved one and the happiness in the gaining of another intercessor in the realm of the ancestors to bring petitions and prayers from the people on earth to the Creator. It was a busy time for the Vasilombelombe who had to take turns watching the body of the prince as the subjects paid their last respects. The king, with the aid of the royal drums, decreed a national mourning week. All events were cancelled as everyone was to dress in the kingdom colors of all black. Rest well, little one, Gonya whispered as she stood guard. He looked so peaceful, void of worry and care. It was as if he could just wake up and run back to his grieving mother. She remembered the day he was born and the vow she had made to protect him. It isn't right that you should go before me. It just isn't right. On the last day of the funeral, the boy was laid to rest with his head facing the Orient. He would sleep beside great warriors and mighty kings whose blood and lands he once shared. The curse or the blessing of immortality wasn't granted to this one.